Our brains, the, okay, so this is, the re, this is the reason why we love movie, the movies that we do, the reason why all the movies that we watch have a similar arc, a similar trope. I'm sure you've listened to Sean talk about the hero's journey, Every, everything goes in this cycle. It's because our brains, our human experience, understands our experience in terms of story. You can think of your life as these clear demarcated segments, like there's a beginning, a middle, and end. Like that's just how we conceptualize reality and time. And it's really good that we do this. Like we, we would not be able to function <laughs> if we didn't do this. And you can use this system, the story creation system that you have built into your amazing human experience. You can use this for good or evil. <laughs> you can make the choice. <laughs> um, and I want to give you a choice because probably up until this point in time, it's been running you instead of you using it. What's up, y'all? And welcome back to your favorite podcast, Shots to the Dome. My guest today has appeared on her own podcast, The Connected Coach. She's also been on her partner's podcast, The Strong Heart Show. She has appeared on the Flow State of Mind podcast, which are with our mutual friends, Aaron and Jordan. And she's also been on the Boom Boom Performance podcast. So I am so stoked to have Hannah Deindorfer on Shots to the Dome. In addition to being a podcast superstar, She's also one of our closest friends. She was Dela's first business coach, really helped us get Deal Donation off the ground. She has been my life coach as well. And I'm super excited to have you on, Hannah, to help these listeners learn more about themselves. What's up? Yay. Oh, I'm so excited. Also, sidebar, you're my partner's longest running friend. <laughs> you and Vladi <laughs> have been friends for 16 years. And you are my only male client that I've ever had. How did that go? How, how was it compared to? Oh, it was fucking awesome. I was like, can I just work with Sean forever? <laughs> like, <laughs> in some ways, I don't know. In some ways, it was easier than some of my, it was easier than some of my female clients in a lot of ways. <laughs> I so. feel compelled to say that I did not pay you to say that. That was <laughs> No, you're a very coachable human being. You're very curious and excited to learn. So I appreciate that. I think it's growing up in athletics. You learn to be really coachable, at least if we want to succeed. And you're totally right, Hannah. For those listening, Hannah's boyfriend, Vlad, he and I swam together on a bunch of all-star teams in Texas. He moved from Venezuela. I moved from Los Angeles. So like both basically different countries as far as Texas is concerned. And then, um, yeah, we've sort of remained friends. And then it's really cool because he met this amazing woman. Oh, yeah. It's been so great. I've loved getting to know you and Dela. And um, it's been such a blessing to be a part of y'all's life and be a part of your journey and just see you grow so much over the last year and a half. You and Dela both have just like really expanded as individuals. And it just like, it feels so good to be able to witness that and be a part of that. So it's, it's really, really kind of you. I can say the same thing about you and Vlad. I mean, mm -hmm. I've seen... You, when I was going to Barton Springs that one day and we'd cross paths and you had just moved here from Los Angeles and now having a coaching business to yourself, of course, Vlad, elevating his game, leveling up to own his own business as well. But I'm really excited to have you on, Hannah, because I know the myriad ways that you have helped me and Dela across the board. And I wanted you to kind of describe like who you are, because we obviously know you're a coach. I think people listening can kind of pick that up. But mm -hmm. what would you describe yourself as? <laughs> uh, I, well, for the general public, I say I'm a holistic business coach, uh, to you and to other people. I like to say that I'm an entrepreneurial shaman. Um, Ooh, I like that one. Yeah, I know you would. <laughs> um, yeah, I am 
a supporter of growth in every area. Like I want the people that I'm around to be uplifted and encouraged and inspired. And what I really do with my clients is a lot of personal development work, a lot of inner work um, in order to have a more successful life and business in every way, relationships, business, health, it's all, it's all starts in your, in your own mind and in your soul. So. Right. Well, and I know you and I agree it's holistic. So all of mm-hmm. those different buckets that you mentioned, business, relationship, careers, fitness, health, whatever it is, it all goes together. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I was just thinking about this as we were talking, a client of mine, a couple of clients, they've really been hitting their stride. And all of a sudden they're like, my relationship is awesome. My work is fantastic. It's never been better. And I was like, okay, timeout. This all goes together. So when you're firing mm-hmm. on all cylinders in one, you're probably going to be firing on all cylinders in the others. So mm-hmm. thank you for giving me that awesome, basically moniker that you operate under. Also, mm-hmm. you and I joke, willing, like rightly so, you're sort of this like magical fairy presence, soul entity as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what uh, I wanted before diving in, I wanted to give people like a little bit more background because you've bounced around a lot. So you're from mm-hmm. Michigan originally, um, mm-hmm. left Michigan, kind of bounced around, went to Southern California. Like, what did that path look like a little bit? Mm-hmm. I think I would be remiss if I didn't mention um, my where I came from um, and like the volatility of the environment that I grew up in. Um, when I was 13, my dad was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Um, my mom had depression and I'm the oldest of three. And in that experience, learned leadership, learned supporting myself, learned supporting others at a very, very young age. I joked with Vladi the other day that I like my soul signed up to do all the hard shit in like a 10 year span from like 13 (laughs) to 23. I was like, all right, this is going to be hell for 10 years. But if you can do it, then you get to help people and, and fly. And I, it was like that. It was like a lot of very difficult, dark experiences, including my own depression and suicide attempt and eating disorder, anorexia, over-exercising, just pushing myself all the way into the darkness that you could possibly go. And um, coming out on the other side of that with just the deepest empathy for people. Um, And that was like the moment I... I think the thing froze for a second. Um, <laughs> or maybe you're I'm just so still. You're so still. Um, <laughs> you're so good. Um, well, okay. And that was like coming out of that 10 year span was when I moved to California. And um, that was like the shift from me focusing so much on my internal struggle to um, internal personal growth. And so that was 20. 14, 2015, um, that I moved to California and lived there for about three years, working there in corporate and just acquiring a lot of different various skill sets in marketing and sales and copywriting and graphic design and web design and doing all these different things in corporate and also on the back end, so much personal development work like doing all of my own inner work to where I got to a point where I was like, my external environment no longer matches the person that I am. And being in this cubicle, in this work, like I can't do this anymore. So I quit. (laughs) So I quit uh, and started doing a bunch of freelance work, just picking up work where I could. And that's when I met you guys as well, was I was in this stage of like just taking on as much as I possibly could in all these different ways. And Um, I, I do believe that working with you guys and a couple other key influences really shaped, 
um, me into creating a business offer that was just more streamlined and authentic to who I am. So. I really appreciate you going more into your background, Hannah, because that was what I was hoping for. Because those listening, I want to, I want you to hear the bona fides of the people that we have on the show. So when they're speaking on whatever topic that we're talking about, you know it's coming from an intelligent space. It's coming from an experiential space. So I appreciate you, Hannah, sharing the story and for still being here. Like I'm so happy that you still are here because you've been able to impact so many people's lives. Obviously, me and Dela, Vlad, everybody else in our friend group, and your clients. So, fuck mm-hmm. yeah! Thank you for getting through the fire and sort of like getting through that shit, because mm-hmm. that lends itself to what we're going to get into here in a moment. However, I did want to touch on briefly for those listening. Hannah is a very successful coach. If you knew knew her a couple of years ago, maybe that's not the case. And so Mm -hmm. oftentimes we see success as individuals and we think, oh man, they've always done it that way. When in actuality, we all have our own origin story. And what I think is so cool about you, Hannah, and what I'm trying to impress upon you, the listener, is Hannah first reached out to me and Dela, basically emailed Dela, cold emailed and was like, is there anything I can do for you? These are my skills. And Hannah mentioned a few of them that she got through corporate America. And Daly was like, yeah, we really need a logo. Like we don't have one. And I think it was just kind of taking a flyer because we were like, we know Hannah's Vlad's girlfriend. We want to support a little bit. So like, sure, come up with a logo. Hannah put together like a light version, a dark version. She had all these different bells and whistles, options, et cetera. And we were over the moon. And Dayla asked, okay, well, what else do you do? And Hannah was like, well, I'm really a coach. And that started our journey together. And so if you're listening, everyone sort of has their own humble beginnings. Hannah cold emailed a few people. It wasn't just us to find out who she could do work for. And then that snowballed into fast forward a couple of years where we are now. And so mm-hmm. wanted to make a point on that. Getting back to you going through the shit and having your own dark night of the soul, you've learned a lot about what you and others need to survive and thrive in our modern world. And a big component is self-love. I would love for you to touch on Hannah, the impact that self-love has had on your life, on your clients' lives, because it does sound kind of woo-woo. Like if I'm on the street and I'm a little bit more like, hey, I I don't really vibe with this type of stuff. Like what does self-love mean? What would you kind of say to those people? Um, First, I just, I want to acknowledge you for your awesome wrap up and point. Like you're just... Oh, you're you. so good. You're oh, so I, good. I practice this too. Like if you're listening. I know you do. <laughs> yes. I have a lot of fun doing this. Hopefully you guys yeah. are enjoying it. Yeah. You're so great. Um, so why self-love is important. Um, I think everyone needs to know if you're listening to this, you live in a world at, that is not designed to reflect your power back to you. Like you live in a world that is designed to make you feel less. It is designed to have you feel like you don't have enough, you're not enough, you're not doing enough, so that it can make you buy things. Like it's totally. it's with yeah, it's like to fill that hole. Yeah, exactly. You are you're being set up to feel like something's missing, so that then you can go out and buy things from the companies that are making you feel this way. So just first and foremost, like notice, like this is like, I'm like smashing the glass here. Like go notice when you're scrolling social media, how does, how do those ads make you feel about yourself? (laughs) Just right. Yeah. It's not just the ads too. Like I want to give a little bit more insight into what Hannah's saying as far as the deck is sort of stacked against us to a certain degree because Mm -hmm. the media, and that's what you're getting at with advertisements. They know that we're insecure. 
and they know that mm -hmm. we feel like we need to fill a hole. And so that's why they show you not only the material item that they think can fill it, but also the person that you want to look like that they've airbrushed, they've edited, they've tweaked the whole deal. So IE, yeah. it's Fugazi, it is fake, uh, what yep. you're being shown. On exactly. top of that, a lot of us, you know, 2020 aside, work in office buildings that when it's the fall and winter, you probably show up under the cover of darkness, you're in the office building under these fluorescent lights, you don't get a lot of outdoor sunlight, and then when you go home, it's probably dark again. Well, guess what? The system is sort of depriving you of sunlight, of that energy that we need. All of a sudden, we're in this artificial light, artificial air, et cetera, et cetera. And so I just wanted to give those listening a little bit more like real world, tangible examples of what you're saying, Hannah. Exactly. Exactly. You reflected it back so well. So in order to have agency and to have sovereignty and to be able to be who you actually want to be and to feel good about yourself and to feel like we all want to feel confident. We all want to feel like we're good. And if you're constantly looking for that outside of who you are, you're never going to find it because you're, you're in a world that's stacked to do the opposite of that. Um, so what we get to do is create that and generate that inside of ourselves. That's what a lot of people label as self-love is just generating your own internal thermometer for what good is instead of like constantly looking out there for what good is. You like you get to have an internal check instead of an external check because out right. there is not it's not it's not <laughs> trying to do that for you. <laughs> right. And it's it's one's yeah. own personal integrity and I know you and I shared some notes Hannah yesterday and today about mm -hmm. this episode and a big one is that self-love is integrity and it's yeah. keeping word to yourself and like you're saying Hannah it's not somebody else's word it's yours we actually yeah. talked about this on rabbit holes with Jordan and our friend Justin Lovato and he was talking about having one's own core values core principles we hear that a lot in a business context certain companies have their core values it's on the on the wall in the kitchen type of thing but we can still use that to inform ourselves and that's what I loved about what you and I traded notes on hand. And I know what you're going to get into is that we sometimes think, oh, you know, I want to act with integrity. So the people external to me will accept me. You can also listening, use that same integrity for yourself. And so if you're thinking like, I want to be true for my best friend. So they always love me and appreciate me. And like, I have their back. They have my back. You can also do that same thing for you to have your own back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think everyone listening can agree that it's easier to keep promises and agreements to other people than it is to yourself, you know, because no one knows except for you. Like no one knows that you didn't uh, hit your macros perfectly or no one knows that you, um, you know, didn't put away the, the laundry. Like no, no one knows except for you that it's been sitting there on the chair for six days and you keep telling yourself you're going to get to it and you don't, or you have a bill that's sitting on the counter that you have to get to at some point, but you just ignore it. And then it just keeps sitting there. No one knows except for you. And that's the problem is because you don't hold yourself in the same regard as other people. So keeping promises to yourself doesn't carry the same weight and the same importance as it does to other people. And that is what degrades self-confidence. That is exactly why you don't trust yourself. It's why you don't carry yourself with uh, joy and confidence is because you don't have your own back and you're not keeping your word to yourself. Like that's the core of confidence. How would you advise somebody that's trying to 
build that self-love and keep those promises to themselves. Because like you said, Hannah, we probably show up better for other people. Like I was going to joke with you that our laundry isn't on the chair. <laughs> I don't, you know, it's, it's in the hamper, but it still hasn't been done. But we think, I think we know how to treat other people and act with integrity. You know, what, mm -hmm. what are some sort of like actionable steps that people can take to start building that for themselves? Yeah. Um, I want to give first a frame around what integrity is because a lot of people mix it up with like morality, um, like being honest. And I want to give a different frame for that. And that is the frame of like, um, like integrity, like a bicycle wheel. Like if a bicycle wheel has all of its spokes, it has air in the tires, it works perfectly. We say, oh, okay, it has integrity. Like the foundation of a house, same thing. Um, it has integrity. And if there's a spoke missing or the wheel gets popped, um, it doesn't, it just lacks integrity. And there's nothing significant. There's nothing like the bike is a bad bike because it doesn't have integrity. It's not like that. It's like, oh, it's just unworkable. It's like on a scale of one to 10, the bike is like a two out of 10 workability. <laughs> um, and that's how I want you to see your integrity as well as like, here's, here's the exercise. Make go look at all these different areas of your life. You can make a list as you're listening to this, make a list of home relationships, family, career, finances, relationship to making a difference, list out those things and then rate yourself on a scale of one to 10 of how workable that area of your life is. Like if like 10 being like, this works awesome. There's no way that this could possibly work any better. My relationships are functioning magnificently everything is a 10 out of 10 to zero percent is like my house is a mess everything is like i'm a hoarder there's garbage everywhere my dog shit everywhere like that's a zero so rate yourself somewhere in between there on a scale of one to ten of how workable something is and then look for in the areas that are unworkable what is out of integrity what is, what are, where's their promise or agreement that you met, you made to yourself or someone else that you didn't keep in that area? And that's it. And then just go clean it up. I love a bunch of those different things that you said, Hannah, one, the analogy to a bike wheel and separating integrity from a moral ethical standing because they can too stand apart. So thank you for defining that. And defining integrity in the sense that we use, like you said, like a building has its integrity, but if a, a bike wheel, for instance, yeah, if it pops, the integrity is lost type of thing. And then how we can take more control of our lives. And if you're listening, that can sometimes seem like a frightening proposition, like, oh shit, like for real, like I, I've complete control. Like I can't blame other people. Like I can't do X, Y, Z and, and blame my external uh, issues. Like, oh my God, you're saying I have more control. However, the other side of that coin, the flip side of the coin is extremely liberating. The, oh my God, you're telling me I have complete control to adjust my life and to level up and to improve these areas that Hannah's talking about. Like that's a very powerful thought to have. And you're totally right, Hannah. And this is something that you and I both have done for clients in the past, but have them rate those areas. And then if you find, if you're listening and you find a bucket that's a 10, it's like, awesome, that's great. There are learnings from that. And so if you have one section that's a 10, and like Hannah said, your house is a zero, well, what are you doing in the 10 side that you can apply to the zero? And also, I think we know inherently certain things that we should be doing. Like it was funny when you mentioned the laundry, of course, I was like, does Hannah have a video camera in here? Like, I'm, I'm sure you do because you've been over a ton, but I There's know definitely that a security system installed. <laughs> I have a, I have a Furbo, I have a Furbo to watch Sean and Dela. 
<laughs> um, but yeah, like I know we should put away the laundry. And so a lot of this too is being honest with ourselves and honest with those thoughts and feelings that come in of like, oh, hey, I should do this. In addition to that, Hannah, you probably would say like having a coach or someone like who could guide you. Are there any other tips that people could take away? Um, yeah, absolutely. Getting a mentor to support you. If you find you're like, you're like 0% accountable to yourself, like it really, really helps to have someone else that you're accountable to, to help you with this. And it could literally be your partner or your friend if you don't want to hire a mentor. Um, the other thing too is, you know, there's some fear that goes into like looking in all the ways that we're out of integrity and all the areas of our life that don't work. And there's power there, you know, if you ignore the thing longer, you just continue to lack power in that area. If you want your power back, you know, you get to take a look. Like when was the last time you checked your bank account? When was the last time you looked at all the things you were spending money on? When was the last time that you took a full inventory of the way you spend your time or, or looked at how much time you're spending on social media? All of those things probably make your life unworkable by not being aware. Like, you know, there's that little thing like what gets measured gets managed. Like you don't really? get to take responsibility until you see the degree to which you have no responsibility or integrity. And then the la the other tip that I want to add, just like a nuanced piece is like a bicycle wheel doesn't feel shame that it's like out of integrity and you don't need to either. Like there's nothing wrong. I have no integrity. Sean has no integrity. Like that's just because we're human beings. That's it. And, um, and so a lot of times like we can avoid trying to take responsibility because we're like ashamed that we haven't done it up to now. And then like the longer we avoid it, the more shame we add to it because we add meaning and significance, no significance. It's not important. It doesn't matter that you haven't done your laundry. You just haven't done it. It's that. So do it. It's like, it's, yeah. it's that. I'm so. really grateful that you mentioned that piece, Hannah, because that's a really important one is acting, trying to better ourselves. And then if we make a misstep, do so without judgment because we're, we're all trying to do our best and we can really be weighed down when we're judging ourselves or being mean to ourselves for a mistake versus looking at how can I improve. Also, Hannah was listing these myriad buckets. You know, they almost seem like endless variables of like, oh, you know, if you're listening like, oh man, well, to get my life together, I have to do A, B, C, D, E, da, 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 da. Part of it is one of my favorite quotes, as you know, it's not hard, it's just new. And so a lot mm -hmm. of these variables will be new. And as you continue to progress with your life and start, okay, cool. Hannah said to make sure that I'm putting away the laundry or like making my bed or whatever that is. As mm -hmm. you start doing those, it's going to get easier and easier and easier inherently. And so there is the payoff. And that's what I try to encourage my clients who start in a fitness context, like, hey, this is going to be challenging at first, but as you continue to progress, it's going to get easier and easier and easier. And so if you're listening, please know that. Also, I really enjoyed Hannah how this whole thing, again, like the self-love journey, it's very similar to a fitness journey. And I would argue that a fitness journey is inherently a self-love journey. And what's funny is we track variables in fitness to see success. And so, so many of, uh, of our clients who come to DLD Nation will not have any idea what they're eating. They have no idea how much water they're drinking. They may have a, a, a hand on how much they're sleeping, et cetera, et cetera. All of a sudden, we make them aware of those variables. They start managing them. Like you said, if you can measure it, you can manage it. And then all of a sudden, hey, it's like magic. They start to see success. And so that thought process can be applied to other walks of life. And what's funny is, y'all know I use a lot of sports analogies. Hannah is like my one female friend who can sort of like hang with the sports analogies. And she's like, hey, Sean, give me more. If you've ever been on a team, 
or hell, growing up in school, like they tracked your grades, right? Your teacher tracked your grades. They knew how you were doing on quizzes. They came to you if you were like slipping a little bit. They came to you if you needed extra credit. Same thing with coaching, like Hannah played basketball. I played basketball. You know, if someone runs a drill and it's just not working, it's like, okay, how can we tweak it? But yet in our own lives, we throw all that shit out the window. We like don't track anything. We don't, you know, measure anything. And so the point that I think both Hannah and I are trying to get across is if you want to improve your life, you got to get in the weeds. And so for instance, checking your finances, making sure that bills are paid, it does seem scary, but as soon as you get into it, it's going to give you way more control over your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, I love to give the analogy about like Jaws and why that movie is so scary. Um, like the reason why, like those two notes don't, the reason why that's so fucking terrifying is because the entire movie, all you see is the shark's fin. You have no idea how big this motherfucker is under the water. Like you just are imagining this shark to be like this massive, like 20 times the size of a normal shark, probably with like razor blades for teeth. And then you get to the end of the movie and they show the shark and it's actually just a fucking shark. Like it's just a normal size shark. And you've built it up the whole time in your head to be this massive thing that's actually just like a normal sea creature. So that's, I mean, that's what fear does to you. That's what not looking or not knowing what's going on in your life does to you. Not looking at these things creates it to be this like massive monster under the water. But when you bring it out, that's why journaling is so great too. It's like, if you see the words on paper, if you see what you're dealing with put down on paper, oh, it's just words. It's just a shark. Like it's not that yeah. big thing that I thought it was. So. You're so right. And I think that all of the great horror movies do that. I think now in 2020, the patience is so thin. So it's like right in your face. But <laughs> Jaws, uh, Alien, some of the really old school horror movies, you never really see the monster until the end. They just sort mm -hmm. of uh, even Predator, you know, with Arnold Schwarzenegger, the first one, you never really see him <laughs> until the end. I love that movie. Right. And, and so there's that payoff. I can go on a tangent sidebar and talk about JJ Abrams and his big thing is like a mystery box and that that's lost. Like every single episode was a mystery box, i.e. the, the shark. So like you said, the entire time the audience is like, Oh my God, what's beneath the water. And so they stick around for two hours and then you get the payoff, but it's like, Oh, this is just like a shark. They, they do shark things. I, I totally get totally. that. Totally. <laughs> the fear, the fear just comes from confusion and unknown. Like if we shed light in all the areas that we're afraid to look, like you'll see that there's actually really nothing to be afraid of. This comes from me speaking from experience that I've been to the darkest part of my mind that could possibly exist. And I got there and it was just a shark. So I love that. Yeah. And it's something at shadow work. Like if you're listening, you've ever heard that term. That's kind of what Hannah's talking about. And I did like how you brought up journaling because that's a way to manage one's own life in a way if if mm -hmm. one doesn't have a mentor or they're looking for a coach is to the only way to sort of observe our lives unemotionally is to have that stream of consciousness consciousness really journal get everything out go you know go to the bathroom grab some water hang out for a sec come back and look at what you wrote and now you're going to have a detached third party observer looking at it being like oh well I've noticed that I'm pissed and I haven't been getting any sleep. Okay, well, maybe I need to get more sleep and I, I won't feel as ornery. And we get those types of epiphanies from journaling, right? Mm -hmm, totally. Um, just to close the loop on that conversation and like put a bow on it um, and just like the self-love integrity conversation, the, the, the best thing you can do is start with the smallest thing. Like you don't have to tackle every area of your life that's out of integrity all at once. Like, like it's a compounding effect 
like if confidence compounds any, any little action that you start to do today, if you can do that consistently, it doesn't matter if it's just, you know, brushing your teeth every night before bed or making your bed in the morning, like those things will help you to build confidence and fitness is like that too. Like it's just, it it's a compounding effect. It's not a linear process. Right. Yeah. Progress, not perfection. And I like how Hannah, exactly. you're talking about taking just the, the easy ones down. And again, we already do this in our normal waking life. How many of you listening have your to-do list at work? And I'm sure there's one or two things that are like super easy. You're like, oh man, I'm going to knock these off like first thing in the morning. And it's going to feel so great because I get to put that line through it on my post-it note. We can do mm -hmm. that same thing in our own lives. So like you said, brush your teeth, get up, take a shower, whatever that is, like taking that first step. Something mm -hmm. that our clients will often say is like, oh, I'm not motivated. And my response is motivation is a, is a myth. It's a figment of our imagination because it's massive action like brushing our teeth, like taking that first step to the shower that gets us results that then makes us motivated. And it's this virtuous cycle. I really appreciate you, Hannah, putting the bow on everything because it's a nice transition segue into our next topic, which is personal development hacks. And you may be thinking, well, I already got a host of them in the self-love conversation, which is on purpose. But you had mentioned, Hannah, in the notes that I'm looking at, the uh, story aspect. Could you go into mm. a little deeper into that? Oh, I just love this conversation. This is my favorite one. Um, okay. That was the softest ball ever. I was like, I know where Hannah's going. It's just like, oh, story, go for it. <laughs> yes. Okay, cool. So, okay. Our brains, the, okay, so this is the, re this is the reason why we love movie, the movies that we do, the reason why all the movies that we watch have a similar arc, a similar trope. I'm sure you've listened to Sean talk about the hero's journey, Every, everything goes in this cycle. It's because our brains, our human experience, understands our experience in terms of story. You can think of your life as these clear demarcated segments, like there's a beginning, a middle, and end. Like that's just how we conceptualize reality and time. And it's really good that we do this. Like we, we would not be able to function <laughs> if we didn't do this. And you can use this system, the story creation system that you have built into your amazing human experience. You can use this for good or evil. <laughs> you can make the choice. <laughs> um, and I want to give you a choice because probably up until this point in time, it's been running you instead of you using it. So how this plays out in your world is when something happens, there's a thing that happens, there's the reality of the thing that happens, and then there's the story that we create about the thing that happens. And we do this naturally and automatically. If someone cuts us off in traffic, that guy's an asshole. Immediate, instant. Like, you know, Sean flipped me off. That dude's an asshole. Immediate. Oh, the, the worst person ever. Yeah, we create that Immediate. story. So, and if you're listening, Dela is a very low-key road rage person. And <laughs> she does that immediately. As soon as someone cuts her off or doesn't get over in time, she's like, they're the worst person ever. They're a horrible parent. They can't hold a job. So you're totally right of the story. Totally. Absolutely. So here's where it becomes problematic. We're a child. Something happens. We only understand the world in black and white at that point. You know, an adult yells at us or there's some type of situation in which something feels off as a kid. And then the story we create in that moment is I am wrong. I am bad. I did that. I created something wrong and bad. 
And then we keep that forever. And then we keep generating confirmation that that story is true. Some common human stories and experiences that we like to create and confirm are something is wrong. I am wrong. I'm bad. Um, I don't belong here. I don't fit in. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. I am on my own. Those are like the four most common ones. Are there pretty much tropes to this? Like oh, yeah. They yeah, can all 100%. fall into these four buckets. They all fall into those four buckets. I am wrong and bad or something is wrong. Um, I am unworthy. I am not good enough. I don't belong here. I don't fit in. And I am on my own. Those are the four common human experience stories that we all have at some point in our life. You can look through your experience and you can see moments in which you decided, I don't fit in. I don't belong here. Or you can see a moment where you're like, ooh, that wasn't good. I'm bad. I'm not good. So this meaning-making machine that we have in our brain, it's perfect. It's, it's working exactly as it should. It keeps us safe. It keeps us alive. It keeps us understanding reality. And it just keeps those stories and keeps confirming them. We have what, what another system called the reticular activating system, RAS, confirmation bias, that then generates an experience in which we are constantly confirming that those stories are true. So we are always looking and assessing for are we right or wrong and trying to find evidence for which we are right. So if we have these stories of I'm bad and wrong, I don't fit in, I don't belong, I am unworthy, and we're constantly looking around for evidence to confirm that we're right, how do you think that's going to affect our sense of self and how we behave? Long term too, and how yeah. decisions we make, et cetera. It's going to have a, a holistic impact. Exactly. So what to do? What do we do about this? What the fuck's, go- how do we fix this? <laughs> Something. And we're going to end there and we'll come back and give you guys <laughs> the answer. <laughs> okay. Notice, notice if you're listening and you instantly want to fix it or change it. Notice if you're listening to this and immediately the thing you go to is like, whoa, I'm fucked up. Uh, there's something wrong. That's the system. It's doing its job. It's working. <laughs> so right. yeah, I mean, that's exactly what it's supposed to do. And yeah, you want to add something? Well, I was just going to say the system that Han is talking about is our brain and our brain is mm-hmm. a computer. And I know you and I are fans of the homie Mastin Kip. He talks a lot about how when something happens to us when we're younger, like you're saying, Hannah, mm-hmm we don't understand you're seven, you're eight, you're nine, whatever. You're not a 20 something, 30 something like you, you haven't seen the world yet. And so your brain is scanning, trying to make sense of this new world that it's in. And so then when it gets an input from somebody external, like a parent or friend or coach, whatever it is, and it goes counter to how the brain is programming, how this computer is running, it will basically create a story like Hannah's saying, or reprogram. It'll create a program in the brain to keep the life working, to make mm-hmm. sense of what's going on. And so like Hannah's saying, if, and this makes me really, you know, uh, like not hesitant, but it makes me want to be like way more thoughtful as a parent because the Mm -hmm. simplest thing, for instance, let's say you're like seven, you're eight and you're working on a project and you're kind of getting there and you ask one of your parents, let's say you ask your dad, like, Hey dad, can you come check out this project? He's going to come in. Let's say he's like, Oh, this looks great little Johnny, but actually there's a better way to do this. And they start acting and be like, this is a much better way. That seven, eight-year-old, even though the dad's helping him out, doesn't think they did anything, the seven, eight-year-old might think in their head, oh, there's a better way to do something. Like, I didn't have the best way to do it. Oh, my seven-year-old brain, how do I compute this? You're never going to have 
the better way to do it. You're always going to have a less than way to do it. And so then like Hannah's saying, let's fast forward. Now you're 15 and you're going out for the JV basketball team and you don't make it. Instead of thinking, man, like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on my game. Like, I'm going to talk to a coach, figure out how to do this. You may walk away saying, like, man, I fucking knew it. Like, my whole life, I haven't been able to do it this way. Like, someone's been better than me. I, I ha- I'm always going to be less than. Da, da, da. It's because your brain has created that program, and now it's just going to keep feeding that program. So yeah. how do we break the chains of that, Hannah? How do we create a new program? Yeah, totally. So I, I love that you're using language like it's a computer, like it's a program because it is, and we get to choose what programs we install into the computer. I want to also acknowledge that um, those programs are hardwired because they were created in a moment of survival. So we don't want to remove those programs, one, because it's fucking impossible because they were created in a survival state. So the hard wiring around that is like very, very deep, even physiologically deep. So we don't want to remove those programs because they saved your life. They got you here. So we get to be grateful for those programs because they exist to to keep you alive. Um, And knowing also that you will naturally always choose the best available program to you. You're always choosing the best available option. Up to this point, the best available option is I'm an idiot, I suck, I'm not good, because that's what's been working to keep you alive till now. So all we need to do is install a new program that is more pleasurable, more desirable, and creates a better desirable outcome for us. So ultimately, like you get to choose what story you want to live into. We're not actually living um, from our past. We're living now based on the future we're projecting. We, we do our present based on the future we're projecting. The problem is most of us have projected what's going on in the past into the future. Right. So we just get to create a new future to live into. Um, so I would love for you to give an example here of a story of a version of you that you would love to be. Like if you, if you see yourself in a moment where you kind of slip into some old programming or there's some, some way of being that you don't like to have around. Can you picture like a moment or give an example of like some habit you have? You know that I can. Um, I know you can. I'm, I'm instead going to use this um, analogy of like this person who had this story at seven or eight years old and then now they're 15, they haven't made the basketball team. How can they change that narrative? Because that seems like we have to take more control again of who we are and our existence. And Hannah's totally right. We tell these stories that then shape our future. And so if we want our future to change, because that poor 15 year old, now let's say they're 25 and they're in a relationship and the person they've been dating for two years breaks up with them, they're going to immediately go into, oh, it's because they found someone better. There's always someone better. There's always someone better than me. There's something better than me. I'm less than da, da, da. Mm-hmm. That's not a fun mm-hmm. way to live. And so yeah. what's like, what are some steps that let's say they're 15 again, they don't make the basketball team. How can they rewire their brain? How can they reprogram that? Okay. So first is awareness of the program. So noticing, taking a moment to see, oh, without judgment, a notice, a moment to see, oh, look at that. There's that program that's running again that says I'm not good and I'm, I suck and there's someone better than me. Look at that with curiosity. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting to see that there. Um, what would I like to have instead? 
That's, it's literally like that simple. That's, that's the simplest question. And the best question is like, what would you like to have instead? As in the feeling, like the different in, feeling or like the different outcome? Yeah. The, the thought, the feeling, the outcome, what would, what would you like to have? So if it's, if it's this person who um, always feels like people are better than them, maybe what they would like to feel instead is self-assured or at peace, right? Maybe they would like to have a story that um, they're perfect exactly the way they are. Yeah. Right? I, I'm, I'm not trying to get like super into character in this like person that we've created. And I'm, I'm, I guarantee this isn't my own life. But if you've lived your entire life with that narrative of I'm less than or there's somebody better than I am, they would probably just want to be average. And so, mm-hmm. you know, for instance, in this uh, example, so the person doesn't make the basketball team. Like Hannah said, that person immediately is going to feel, oh man, I'm less than, there's someone better than me, da, da, da. Catch yourself. So if you're listening right now, you probably have been able to pick up and highlight and target a few of these own thoughts in your life. And so mm-hmm. this person's probably felt it before. So they don't make the basketball team, immediately catch it. And like you said, Hannah, don't, don't judge yourself. Don't be like, man, why the fuck mm-hmm. am I thinking this way? Just be like, all right, cool. This is how I'm thinking. I've noticed a bit of a pattern. And then now how can I intellectually switch that narrative? And so for instance, with this 15-year-old, they may think, oh, well, only 12 people made the basketball team. There were like 60 people that tried out. Ergo, mm-hmm. I'm kind of the average for not making it. And it's yeah. not a reflection on like, I'm less than and da 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 And then now right. that starts to change the, the narrative, right? Totally. So maybe this person just wants neutrality. They would just like to feel unaffected. They'd like to feel neutral in that space. So rather than, it's really challenging to practice that in the moment so this is why meditation and visualization is so important. Um, I highly recommend you look up Dr. Joe Dispenza. He has some incredible visualizations for actually doing this reprogramming work that will take you through what is the emotion and the experience that you're currently experiencing. Notice that. Notice how it feels for you. Notice your normal behavior, the one that you would like to erase. Okay, great. Now I want you to replay the event again with the reaction that you would like to have. How would you like to respond? Practice mentally responding in that way and then do it, you know, practice getting up in the morning and feeling that way, like doing this all in your head. Practice driving your car to work and feeling this way. Practice in all these like mental low stakes environments um, where there's not a ton of emotion involved and doing it in this low stakes way while you're just visualizing gives you practice for the game, which is real life when something confronts you and triggers you. And then you have like a bank of memory to pull from and be like, oh, I can do that instead. Great. I have that option available now. Because remember, we're always choosing the best available option. When we visualize and practice, it's installing new options into our drop-down menu. Right. And I really love, Hannah, how you talked about those low stake moments, quote unquote, because like Mm -hmm. we were just talking earlier, Hannah was shouting me out for talking, LOL. But it's something that I work on. And so these moments on a podcast are like my games. These are where I get to show up and like perform. However, it doesn't mean I'd never practice these things. If I'm talking to Hannah socially and we're out at dinner with our partners, I'm still going to practice this. If I'm on the phone with my parents, I'm still going to practice this because they're lower stake moments. And if I can be better, then I can look at those instances as power to help inform how I want to be when the, when the moment matters and when I want to be my best. I also love, love, love that you brought up 
uh, Joe Dispenza also because like I'm reading y'all's favorite book right now, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. It's fantastic. And even though you may be listening, thinking, oh, okay, I'll visualize it. That sounds kind of woo-woo. Your brain literally has no idea. It cannot differentiate between the world that you're living in and the visualization that you're doing in your head. That's why mm-hmm. athletes are big into visualization, but we can use those in our everyday life. So like Hannah's saying, like just visualizing a moment that you want to go better. For instance, we were talking on our mindset trading call last night. One of our clients, she's a travel nurse, and she said that every single assignment she's crushed, and she's now in Houston, and the stakes are a little bit higher, and she's having a hard time. And so we talked last night. I was like, okay, tonight before going to bed, if you're laying in bed, like visualize that perfect day, like getting up, everything goes perfectly, da 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 And if you keep doing that over and over and over again, your brain will start to act that way. Like it'll act as if everything's working perfectly, and then all of a sudden that makes lasting change. Totally. And the distinction too is like practicing what's going wrong, like practicing the trigger moments so you can respond in a new way, like practicing responding in a new way to, to things that are not like, oh, the, the world is beautiful and like my day is going perfectly. And of course I can respond this way in that setting. It has to be, it gets to be um, an opportunity where you know you're like practicing the trigger in your head and then practicing responding to the trigger in a new way in your head. Um, and yeah, if you go, if you just Google Joe Dispenza meditations, you'll get a guided like meditation through this experience. It's really useful. Um, if you want science behind it too, breaking the habit of being yourself is a great book to read. Um, it's extremely, uh, heavy in neuroscience and you'll get a really great understanding of some basic quantum physics in that too, which is awesome. Um, yeah, it'll, it'll arm you for the next cocktail party that you go to, to talk about <laughs> quantum physics. Yes. Um, one experiment that I like to point to and share to like give people a sense of the power of visualization is the one where, um, they practice piano like a bunch of people were given um, an assignment to learn this little piano thing, this little piano piece. And um, there were people that uh, practiced, actually practiced it, that like sat down at the piano and played and like, you know, practiced it with their actual physical body. And there was a control group where they, they were given the music, played it once and then didn't practice. And then there were people who visualized practicing in their head and the outcome surprise is that the people that practiced in their head um, were able to come back and play it almost the same efficacy of someone who's actually physically practicing. So it's real. No, it's a good thing. That's a, yeah, I know. It's a real thing. Another one, because um, Hannah's pulling straight from the book. And so I'm going to pull one that really resonated with me. It's uh, they had people similar, similar exercise, but they had people do finger and hand exercises. And so they had three groups, one group that was actually doing the exercises, one group that did nothing, the control group, and one group that only visualized the exercises. They never did them. And they had them do this for six weeks or whatever, eight weeks. And then when they reviewed the group that had actually been lifting with their hands and fingers, they saw a 33% increase in strength. The group that did nothing, nothing happened. They didn't increase their strength at all. The group that visualized, and again, they did not do any of these exercises, they saw a 22% increase in their hand and finger strength. And so it's a mm-hmm. 33% to 22% of doing it versus visualizing it, showing that we can make these huge changes. I feel like, Hannah, you and I could go on forever and ever and ever, and I want to be like <laughs> conscious, sensitive to your time and my time and those listening. We have mm-hmm. a few different strategies and habits and tactics that we can use to help us in the moment right and so i know one that we wanted to talk about was like gratitude we've talked about journaling i know we want to talk about meditation for a sec breath work 
Um, I'm going to kind of let you drive, but we wanted to make sure we covered these things. So I actually think the most useful of all of the hacks, um, in addition to like the story and confirmation bias thing, that's like top, top, um, is language. Um, I, I love the quote. I don't know who said this, but, um, I say this all the time. So you can quote me, uh, words create worlds. The words and the language that we use to describe ourselves and to describe our environment generate the experience of that environment. Um, Like however we're labeling things creates our view of the thing. And if we use empowering language about ourselves and others and the world around us, it actually generates a different experience of the world for us. Um, so, I mean, perfect example, and, and everyone has a different interpretation of language too. If you think of a teacup, just say teacup, just a teacup. Yeah. Um, you, Sean probably have, I would love to hear like what you see when I say the word teacup. Yeah. Well, it's, I I was going to say it's words as tools. And yeah. that you could say teacup. And in my mind, I, the history person in me went to like straight to the British people have been drinking tea for a really long time. And it went like right into tea time and like crumpets mm-hmm. and that whole shit, which I mm-hmm. imagine was not what you were thinking when, if I said teacup. Yeah. I, I picture actually like the Disney teacup ride. Solid. At, at, at Disney world, they have like the, the teacups where you can like spin around in a circle. I don't oh, know. Yeah. I've totally thrown up on me. that ride. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, there's there, every word is open to interpretation and the way that our brains understand word as well, um, also generates our meaning for life. So I want to give a couple tweaks to your language that I think are really, really powerful, um, and just make a distinction. So there's, a suite of words that we have available to us that are called soft talk or soft language. And what these words do is they relieve us of responsibility and take power out of the things that we say. Um, Some of those words, some examples are kind of, sort of, like, maybe, hopefully, possibly, um, I hope, I think. So they're sort of like the filler words. You don't, you just use one. So you said they're sort of like, they're sort of like the filler like, words. Yeah, so exactly. If I right there. to get rid of them, I'd say they're filler words. Correct. Does that feel different to feels say? feels more definite. Yeah. So you'll notice that the time that you use soft talk the most is when you're talking about things that you're least confident about or you have questions about. So it's totally appropriate that you would ask a question. They're sort of like filler words because you're uncertain about if they are or not. And so you're, you don't want to confidently assert those are filler words because you may be wrong. (laughs) It made perfect sense because when you said, Hey, you're already using these filler words. Why is that? And I was like, Oh, I'm not being as definite as I could. But then you're like, Hey, like that you're out of your depth in that moment because you didn't know. And so that's why you're using filler words. So I'm happy to be your example. Perfect. Perfect example. The problem this then comes up when people talk about what they're going to do or their dreams or their goals in the future. And you'll ask someone something like, um, what do you want to do this weekend? And be like, well, maybe I might kind of go to the grocery store. Or I sort of have to take care of my dog or, you know, maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll go to this party. 
like it's just filled with like uncertainty and I have no fucking idea what I'm talking about. That person is doing nothing over the weekend. They are not leaving. They're doing the nothing. <laughs> They're doing nothing. Or, or, or you ask someone, what do you want to do with their life? And they're like stuck in a job that they don't like. And they're like, well, maybe I'll quit sometime. That's terrible. That's, that's confirming to themselves that they, it relieves them of responsibility and then they never have to do the thing. Um, and also it's disempowering language. So a couple other upgrades. So notice when you use those words, notice what you're doing when you're using those words. And, and real quick, just to add to that, words have power. And like Hannah and I were saying, words are tools. And so if you're speaking to somebody, you're using language as a tool. That's why I'm a huge fan of the movie Arrival because the alien language, uh, what's her name? Amy Adams says, there's so much meaning here, i.e. Mm -hmm. it's way more than just a word. Also, mm -hmm. this is a little woo-woo and kind of LOL, but <laughs> we call it spelling because words create spells. Exactly. We're casting spells with our words. We're, and actually to cast a spell to spell is to generate something that was not there before to cause a transformation or a creation that wasn't existing before to do magic. Like you, you have that power. Um, another really great one that you should just like immediately delete from your language are two of them just and but. Two, of the, two things that really never need to exist in your words. <laughs> so right. you might find yourself like writing in an email and saying something like, oh, just wanted to let you know, or I was just thinking, it, it just diminishes what you're talking about. It reduces the power. Right. And but, and but negates everything in front of what you say. <laughs> exactly. And in my opinion, there are ways to say those words with more meaning or more, more to unpack. And then they're used in the terms that they should be. So for instance, like Hannah saying with just, a replacement there could be simply. Now all mm -hmm. of a sudden, instead of saying just as a filler, you replace that with simply. Simply really only has the areas where it could be used. For instance, mm -hmm. it's used in sales a lot. They'll say like, oh, it's just $99 to like put that into your brain that it's just a small amount. Well, if you're replacing that with simply, you can't do that. You're, you're just gonna say it's $99. But if exactly. you're using simply, you could say something like, I'm simply getting this to fill this need. And then all of a sudden, it's not a word filler. Yeah, or you'll use, use it to minimize yourself. Oh, I'm just a fitness person. Totally. Or I'm just a creative. Or I'm just a graphic designer. Or I'm, yeah, it's just. The, yeah, the no doubt song, like, I'm just a girl. In the exactly. Perfect. Yeah. So, I mean, I think. Just that, just bringing awareness to your language is plenty. We don't need to keep harping on that. Well, that was fantastic. Uh, a big one that, because I want to have you back, Hannah, because obviously you and I can talk about a lot of these things. One mm -hmm. is gratitude. And that's something I wanted to go into because people, when I talk to them, like, well, you know, people will say, hey, bring more gratitude into your life or be more grateful. How does that start to change our perspective? Compare the opposite energy of gratitude is comparison. So Ooh, I love that. Can we stop on that for a sec? Opposite yeah. <laughs> of gratitude is comparison. Okay, cool. Yeah, right. And vice versa. If you find yourself in any way dissatisfied, you're likely in comparison. You're comparing yourself to the past or the future or to someone over there or to someone on Instagram, something that it should be that's, that it is not right now. It's com full comparison. It always is. And the opposite of that energy is gratitude. 
appreciation for what is so like fully. So if you find yourself caught in a trap of, I'm not good, I'm not what, like, I don't have abs like Sean, it sucks. <laughs> I don't have a cool, <laughs> I don't have a cool ponytail or a beard like Sean and I don't ball like him either. I don't know sports stuff like Sean. Cool. Great. This is just Hannah gassing me up. <laughs> if you, but, but I'm grateful for it and I'm not going to compare my shine with totally. somebody else's shine. <laughs> totally. So if you catch yourself in that, it's the moment that you catch yourself in that, I just want you to ask yourself right now, what can I be grateful for instead? What is already already in existence? What is already so about myself or about my life that I can create gratitude around? Because it's it's the opposite energy of comparison and lack. Right. So. And then I also like how it focuses on one's own self. And that's something that we deal with in DLD Nation because we have a large coaching team. So clients will see other clients shout themselves out or they see us post their transformation and they'll be kind of down on themselves and they'll say in their check-in like, oh, I was feeling great. And then I was in the group chat and someone was shouting out they lost 20 pounds and I'm not there yet. And my response is exactly. You're not there yet. That's their journey. Maybe they've been doing this for eight months. Maybe they've been doing this for a year. You've been doing it for two weeks. So give yourself mm -hmm. some grace. Give yourself some time to get there. And when we, instead of comparing ourselves to the outside world, like you're saying, Hannah, are grateful for where we are, all of a sudden it becomes a me versus me game. And mm -hmm. at the like, there's always going to be a bigger fish. Like I saw a funny thing on Instagram and it showed like Kevin Hart next to The Rock and then it showed The Rock next to Shaq. And then it showed Shaq next to Yao Ming, who was a center for the Houston Rockets. He's like seven, eight, almost eight feet tall. And the point was there's always a bigger fish. And so if you fall into the comparison game, you're, it's, a, it's an endless loop. You're going to be in a Groundhog Day scenario of suck versus getting yourself out of that. And again, we're trying to impress upon you, the listener, as uh, having personal power. Now, instead of comparing, you can be like, well, how am I doing? How am I doing compared to yesterday? How am I doing compared to six months ago? Am I improving? Am I progressing? And if you are, fuck yeah. Like that is the, the most fulfilling thing in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And even if you're not progressing, there, there, I always want to impress upon you that there is no backwards. You don't right. go backwards. <laughs> that doesn't exist. It might exist in your mind. You think you're falling off track or you're going backwards. You literally cannot. You cannot. And no experience is ever wasted. Your brain is always learning. It's always finding something new, finding some new bit of information. And it's doing that automatically for you. So no experience that you're going through is ever backwards. It's never wasted. It always compounds as a learning experience to propel you to whatever comes next. Even if you're in the depths of the despair right now, even if you're in the dark night of the soul, even if you're at the bottom, what it feels like the bottom, you're not actually starting from the bottom. You're starting from all the experiences that you've had that have led you up to this point in time. Just that's how it works. That's a fantastic reminder. And in addition to practicing gratitude, when you notice yourself comparing, are there other tips and tricks, Hannah, that you would recommend for cultivating more gratitude in one's life? Um, so you can't really feel gratitude unless you're present. So, um, the other aspect of gratitude is presence. And if you are having anxiety or you're depressed, you're either in the past or future, you're not also not present. And so practical applications of this and how to do it, meditation is like the easiest one, but you can also just, you know, there's a whole mindfulness movement that's happening, like, but genuinely, like, can you 
can you be present with where you are right now? Can you feel the floor underneath you? Can you feel where your where your body is in space? Vladdy's like the presence master. I don't know how he, he fucking does it. I'm all I'm always up here in my head. So that's just how I function because it's more fun in there. Um, and so so I really get to practice this presence and gratitude. And it's like a it's like a what can I hear? What do I see? That I can be grateful for? What can I smell that I can f- be grateful for? What do I feel in my body? What's going on here that I can be grateful for? What's now, now if I ground into my present experience in my life, what is there here to be grateful for right now in this moment? And wouldn't you rather do your life from a place of there's nothing wrong and like acknowledgement and like, I'm good here than a place of like scarcity, lack, and like feeling like you're never enough. Right. Like, no, a hundred percent. It's, it's such a better feeling. You'd mentioned meditation and that's, I know something that you and I both, both vibe on. And Hannah has actually been really influential for me bringing my meditation practice back because I had kind of fallen off on it and to finish, to cap my meditations off, I'll do a gratitude practice. And so I sit there afterwards and I list everything from Dela to the dishwasher for real because we haven't always had dishwashers. And so if you can continue to practice this, because it does take reps like anything else, you're not going to get it just off the bat. But as you continue to do this, you're going to notice, listener, that it's a huge superpower. As I started doing this, I worked in corporate America. I would go into conference meetings with everybody there and bad news would come down the pipe or something that wasn't that great. And I could see the room react. And for whatever reason in my head, I was like, how can we turn this into a positive? And all of a sudden I would have the idea, I'd raise my hand and be like, oh, but what if we did it this way? And mm-hmm. if you are cultivating that gratitude and that presence and that mindfulness, all of a sudden you'll start noticing the benefits in your waking life. So definitely okay. highly recommend doing it. Oh, so much. And also, you know how we talked about that like confirmation bias thing? That applies here. If you start noticing all the things that are good about your life, law of attraction is going to just swoop right in and pour more good stuff on you. That's just how it works. Is it immediate? Sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes not. (laughs) Sometimes it hits you across the face. Totally. Sometimes you do meditation. Sometimes meditation does you. That's just how it works. But um, yeah, like confirmation bias is a real thing. And if you're genuinely trying to look for all the time, all the ways in which life is beautiful and magical and good, you will see that. You will see that it actually is juicy and enjoyable and exciting, even in the worst of times. I, there's one of my friends, actually, you know, Adi, she says, you know, like, I, I feel like my life has been so easy, but ultimately what it actually is for her is like, she just doesn't look at bad scenarios as bad. That's right. it. Yeah. Because this is somebody who got COVID. Her entire family got COVID. And so she's telling Hannah like, oh, I've had it so easy because she's just like glossing over it. And it's just another yeah. hurdle, another challenge to be overcome. Also, mm-hmm. if you're sitting there t- listening to Hannah talk about the law of attraction and you're like, what is this woo-woo bullshit? Shameless plug <laughs> to check out Rabbit Holes. We have an episode on the CIA document that talks about how we can actually use our thought to manifest our reality. So basically the law of attraction in the simplest form. Like I said, Hannah, I want to have you back, obviously, to go over a ton of different topics. But until then, um, how can people find you? How can they connect with you? Well, they can find me through my really complicated Instagram name, which is unfortunate that I have like the longest last name in the world. It's at Hannah Deindorfer. So H-A-N-N-A-H-D-E-I-N-D-O-R-F-E-R. 
actively working to change that as soon as possible. <laughs> Talk to Vladdy about that. Um, yeah. And Instagram is where you can find me most often. I have a podcast. You can find that through my Instagram too. And uh, my website's the same. It's just my name.com. And we will be linking all of that in the show notes. So please don't feel like you had to frantically take notes. Also, to give you the gratitude thing, we could be grateful that your family's name didn't get butchered like so many other people's names coming from wherever they came from. That could be a gratitude thing. That it you got it to keep stayed the same. I, it definitely is OG German AF. So <laughs> It had to have been like, uh, did, do you know if your family came through Ellis Island? Um, I believe so. Yeah. My grandparents did. So they probably got a, a German homie, somebody who was like, Oh, I can spell the same. It's ain't no thing versus sure. somebody else. who's like, what is this? But yeah. Yeah. The, the homie was like, Oh yeah. Dein Dorfer. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, we're going to have to come back next time and do some more German accents. But until Perfect. then, Hannah, I appreciate you so much. I love you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. And don't go anywhere. I'm just going to stop recording because I want to thank you and that whole thing. Um, But everyone, thank you for listening. This has been another episode of Shots to the Dome.